Make a statement for your 1911 with the Master Series Laser Grips from Crimson Trace. For the first time, combining instinctive activation with the exceptional look, feel, and durability of natural wood and G10 materials. CrimsonTrace.com something in basic black like an AR-15 some things never go out of style like Tom Gresham's gun talk all right saddle up we're gonna be talking about guns some more in this hour of gun talk glad that you could be with us I'm Tom Gresham you can join us a couple of different ways one is to shoot me an email Tom at guntalk.com the other is to give us a call 866-825- 5486, or just I one, Tom Talk Guns. And I had mentioned a couple of weeks ago we were going to have people from various charities helping our veterans on every week through the end of the year. And um, that's been very rewarding. We're talking to a lot of great people. And so joining us right now is Steve Newton from the Silver Star Families of America. Steve, welcome to Gun Talk. Tom, it's a pleasure to be on. I appreciate it. Now, where have we found you today? Well, our headquarters is in is in Missouri. Mm-hmm. Uh, where? We, I'm sorry, but we, we have uh, oh, uh, about 6,000 members nationwide. Uh-huh. Well, where in Missouri are you? Uh, just south of Springfield. Okay. Yeah, I know right, right where you are. Yeah, so, not uh, far from Branson. Right, exactly right. How did this thing get started? Tom, the Silver Star Families of America is a banner organization, kind of like the Blue Star Banners and the Gold Star Banners. Mm -hmm. Back in 1918, the American War Mothers used to sew over a Blue Star Banner with silver, uh, and the Silver Star Banner meant that they had someone that had been wounded or invalided and sent home. But the tradition died out, and there wasn't any symbol left, uh, visible symbol left for our wounded, ill, and injured, until we brought it back uh, in 2004. Okay. And uh, it has done nothing but grow since. Well, now, what does the Silver Star Families of America do? Well, the first thing we did was we went to... uh, to all 50 states and asked for proclamations to declare May 1st Silver Star Service Banner Day a day of remembrance for our wounded, ill, and injured. And then we went to the cities and counties, and we had over 3,000 cities and counties step up and sign proclamations uh, to honor the wounded on May 1st. And finally... The Congress, uh, the House and the Senate both, uh, finally took notice, and they they passed and made permanent uh, May 1st as Silver Star Service Banner Day. So that was one of our big accomplishments, is getting a day uh, to remember. But we, uh, at the time, we have programs like uh, we, we hand out food coupon books to our homeless veterans that uh, go to the VA hospitals. We have, of course, our service banners. We actually send out service banners 
and certificates. And we, uh, of course, send out uh, a few care packages and uh, things like uh, cards for Christmas. We take care of one VA in all 50 states. And one of our chaplaincy runs a, a very special program that is, uh, we've never found anybody quite like it, but yeah. he sends prayer blankets out to our hospice veterans. And this this is one of our programs. We we don't leave anyone behind, and we think that when one of our veterans is passing, that that's probably not a good time to leave them alone. So when the Silver Star families say that we're with you to the end, we really we really try to be. I, I understand now. I... Obviously, some of the folks are asking about uh, various charities and how they feel about guns. You got a pretty clear message on that one right there in your location, don't you? <laughs> yes, yes, we do, Tom. Uh, it kind of shows you the difference between the philosophies of organizations. But uh, at our Missouri headquarters, we have a firing range, and uh, <laughs> the people come uh, if they want to use it. They can. Uh, but let me tell you something. It's extremely popular. Oh, uh, I bet it is. Yeah, we <laughs> and we don't think that we're in any positions to dictate uh, adult behavior to people that have uh, already went off and fought for us. Uh, well, I, I'd I like to say that. that's a difference in philosophy between different organizations. But yes, we're uh, what? we're very gun pro here. Right. One of the other things that I know that you're proud of is the uh, the allocation of the dollars, the way you, uh, you know, because people are always asking, and it's smart to ask charities, look, how much actually goes to the real charity, the people who are supposed to get the money? So you might just address that. Oh, absolutely, Tom. Um, our board of directors have set a limit of 5%. That we, we cannot go over 5% administrative or fundraising, and actually, we're running at 3%. In other words, 97 cents of every dollar that is donated to us goes directly uh, to where you want it to go. And in fact, um, of course, we're not a rich organization, but uh, we even allow our donors to pick what they want their money spent on, like prayer blankets, food coupon books, service banners, uh, they can pick anything they wish to donate to, mm. and okay. they can be assured that 97 cents of every dollar will go to exactly where they want it to go. We don't pay any mm-hmm. salaries. All of our people are volunteers. We don't have any no. huge national conventions that we spend money no on. salaries. We, we spend money no. directly on what people want us to do. And it's the Silver Star Families of America, and on the web, silverstarfamilies.org. That's the best way for people to find you? You bet, Tom. Silverstarfamilies.org. And uh, tell them to press that donate button for us. We really need it. Well, I know you do, and you're returning a huge proportion of it uh, directly to the veterans. So I appreciate what you're doing. Uh, Steve, thank you so much for spending some time with us. You're very welcome, Tom. You have a good day. Keep up the good work now. All righty, you too. All righty, open lines. Let's talk about some guns. 866-TALK-GUNS. 866-TALK-GUNS. 
Guns. What's the must-have addition to your AR-15? It's the new modular vertical foregrip from Crimson Trace. It's a light, it's a laser, it's a foregrip. And of course, the light and laser activate by simply gripping the foregrip. There's three modes for both laser and light for customization. To see more, go to crimsontrace.com. That's crimsontrace.com. In the field or on the range, you need a trigger you can trust. For over 60 years, Timney triggers have been trusted by hunters and shooters everywhere. A Timney trigger could mean the difference between a great shot and a miss. Timney triggers are proudly made in the USA and come with a lifetime warranty. To order, go to TimneyTriggers.com. That's T-I-M-N-E-Y Triggers.com. The hottest gun show on TV is back. Gun Talk features the newest guns, the best competitions, champion shooters, and inside shooting tips. Long-range shooting, self-defense ammo, hunting hogs with night vision, and the total gun guide for the zombie apocalypse. On Wild TV Internationally, Pursuit on Dish Channel 240, on DirecTV Channel 604, and now on NBC Sports Network. 159 on Dish, 603 on Direct. The Ruger American Rifle, an American legend is born. The Ruger American Rifle is a 100% American-made firearm that offers outstanding performance at a great price. It features power bedding integral bedding blocks for outstanding accuracy. A Ruger Marksman adjustable trigger for a crisp and user-adjustable 3-5 to pound trigger pull. A flush fit 4-round rotary magazine for smooth and reliable feeding. And a 3-lug bolt with 70-degree throw for ample scope clearance and fast follow-up shots. The Ruger American Rifle, another American-made product from Ruger. Back with you, 866-TALK-GUNS. We'll get you in here, 866-825-5486. Lonnie's on line four. He's in Lone Rock, Arkansas. Hey, Lonnie, how doing? Hey, I'm doing fine, Tom. Thanks for taking my call. First time caller. Appreciate the call. How can we help? Well, I have a Bushmaster Caliber 308 uh, carbine. Mm -hmm. Okay. Haven't fired it yet, and we was doing some work recently for a man that had some 762 NATO. Right. And I was wondering if it would be okay to shoot it in the 308. If it's Absolutely. any yeah. No, no problem at all. Uh, 308 or 762 by 51 NATO, uh, both of them are interchangeable. Not a problem. Okay. Is there any so, difference in the 223 and 5.56? Yes, there is, as a matter of fact. Uh, you can, if your rifle is chambered for 5.56, you can shoot both. If okay. your rifle is chambered for two two three, you should shoot only two two three in it. Okay, that was I'd heard that, and then I recently got the three oh eight, and I did some trading for this ammunition, and uh, mm -hmm. I wanted to make sure before I shot it. Now you should be good there. In three oh eight, there's no difference, but uh, five five six two two three, there's it's very slight, and you know it's one of those deals that it probably wouldn't be a problem. But it's enough of difference where it could be a problem. So the recommendation is if your rifle is stamped 223, use only ammo that says 223 on it. 
if your rifle is stamped 5.56 NATO, then you can use 223 or 5.56. Okay, I was not sure on that. I had the Ruger uh, 5.56, but I had good to go. I, just, I didn't have the uh, any NATO with it, but I just got this one. And I didn't want to mess my rifle up, you know. No, that's a good question. No, you're good to go. Listen, go out and shoot that thing. Have some fun. Appreciate the call. I need to get down to Brian. He's on two in uh, West Lafayette, Indiana. Hello, Brian. Hello, Tom. Uh, honor to talk to you. Well, thanks for the call. I'll get uh, I'll get right to it, Tom. I'm an active duty service member. Um, I come from three generations of of uh, family members who have served their country, and I follow the Second Amendment issues very closely. But I was surprised when I went in to my local gun shop and picked up more than one gun in a five-day period to know that I am now um, on, as they put it, the ATF watch list for purchasing more than uh, one gun in a five-day period. Um, Who told you that? What's that? Who told you that? The clerk at the store who was filling out the form. Right, and they had just gotten done with their annual ATF audit, and they said the ATF is uh, at least the the representative that was there at their store made it very clear that that's got to happen here. And I, I listened to your show and I followed the issues closely, like I said, and I was aware of this in the border states, but I was not aware of this here. And well, one, it just bothered me on a personal level, Tom, because I, sure. you know, I, I I think I'm one of the good guys, and mm-hmm. to be considered one of them that may not be is a little troubling to me. But then the other thing is, I'm trying to figure out what does that mean? What does that form mean? What is the ATF doing with that information? Uh, we don't know is the, the <sighs> real answer. Uh, what does it mean to me? Not a darn thing, because trust me, I get on that list about every week. Uh, it's, <laughs> it, it's pretty rare okay. that we have a week that doesn't go by, and we're not picking up several, I do mean several, firearms at our local dealer. So they may have like a separate list just for me at this point. And, you know, I'm okay with that. I mean, I'm not okay with it, but I don't worry about it. At, at this point, I'm not worried about it. Uh, you know, Lord knows. I, honest to Pete, there are so many stupid lists. I just talked to somebody last night, and she was saying, yeah, my son's working. He's uh, They're building a cyber uh, center in San Antonio He's got to have all these classifications, and it's a um, basically a cryptographic center. And I'm going, yeah, or this is what we need. Let me, I said, let me guess, Homeland Security. She says, yeah. I said, great. Mm-hmm. Um, boy, I tell you, you don't even want to get me started on the loss of our freedoms that were started by George Bush with the Patriot yep. Act and continued from that point forward. And I don't care if it's Republican or Democrat. They're all awful. They're terrible. They are stripping us of our rights and our freedoms and our liberties as fast as they can, all doing it under the guise of security. And, and Tom, it, it bothers me. What, what do I tell my kids? Because I came from generations of people who love their country and want to serve it. And to now know that because I've done something that's perfectly legal, I could be considered, if you read the ATF website, well, this is because we think you are potential, you know, illicit uh, gun dealers. Now I tell my kids in my country thinks that I'm a bad guy, even though I've had to move them all over the world and do, um, you know, tough things. It's, well, uh, first of all, thank, thank, you for your, let me, thank you for your service. I wouldn't tell my kids anything. And you know what? This is a just another wake-up call for all of us to put pressure 
on the ATF to stop doing this. We don't just shrug and say that's just the way it is. We got to put pressure on them, and we do it through the NRA. We do it through the Second Amendment Foundation. We do it through our congressmen and women, and we do it through the media and every other way we can to say, look, we are exercising a constitutional right, a guaranteed right that's in our Constitution. Exercising your right, like free speech, should not put you on a watch list, for heaven's sakes. It's wrong, and it needs to stop. I, I agree, Tom. I just, uh, well, I appreciate your time. I just was hoping maybe you'd know a little bit more what they're doing with it because, uh, uh like I, I said, it, it's bothering me. I, it's bothering no. me in a lot of ways. You know, it, it yeah. kind of affects me personally. I understand. It, it's, uh, it's wrong. And, you know, on the one hand, I, I, I joke about, yeah, I'm on their, all their list, at the, but you're right. It's just wrong. And it should bother you. It should actually, it should bother every single one of us. And again, Brian, thank you for your service and thank you for that call, sir. I appreciate that. Let's see. Uh, Pete's down in uh, Texas on line three. Pete, how you doing? All right. Good. Talk to me. Yeah, I got a question. I was talking to my neighbor, and uh, he mentioned something about wax buckshot slugs. Hmm. Reopen the shell yeah. and pour wax in the shell, and it hardens around all the buckshot. You know Your neighbor's doing this? Your neighbor's doing this? Uh, he mentioned something about it. Yeah. Well, um, no, don't do that. <laughs> the bottom line on that one. That's a really bad idea on a number of levels. Um, you know, I don't know what the goal would be. If you want it to be a slug, then shoot a slug. If you're trying to mold buckshot into a slug, I don't, you know. And the other thing it's liable to do is it's going to increase the pressures when you fire that round. And it could possibly make for a very unsafe situation. So I would file that one under the uh, heading of don't do this unless you want to blow your hands off. That's the first thing that popped in my head when he mentioned it. (laughs) Well, hey, you had the right instinct. Go with that one. Hey, Pete, I appreciate that call. Thanks for that. Line one, Richard's in Farmington, New Mexico. Richard, you're on Gun Talk. Great show, and I know time is always a factor. I wanted to throw something in the experience of the damage that number six birdshot can do at close range out of a 12-gauge. Fifty years ago, uh, 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 my father, I wanted him to let me shoot a brother's 12-gauge shotgun. So he takes it out. We stand about 15 feet away from a steel butler building, which is a metal round grain-type building. The door was open against the side of the building. That door is at least a sixteenth of an inch thick steel with a foot space to the building behind it, which is about like heavy sheet metal. He -hmm. cocks the hammer. I pull the trigger, and I had a father who was more stunned than I was because that birdshot blew a hole through that steel door somewhere between the size of a quarter and a 50-cent piece, and on the opposite side, through the sheet metal of that building, punched a hole a little bigger than a silver dollar, 20 feet across inside the building on the opposite wall is where the pellets came to a stop, but they still put a pretty good dent in that steel building. So I guarantee you that a 12-gauge Lotus, even six, at close range, yes, sir, is going to do some serious damage. Without a doubt. And like I say, I, see, we're getting all these real world reports now from Richard and from others who have actually experienced it, tried it. And that was the point I'm trying to get across to people. And Richard, thank you for the call. I'm, man, I know that was surprising. 
for those who say, oh, yeah, that's just stupid. Oh, please, you know, I know your mother's going to bring you your lunch down in the basement, uh, but that's a good thing. Uh, I'm sorry. You know what? Yeah, that's probably unkind. And I meant every word of it. If you're not willing to go out and test it, then you might be better off not issuing your opinions. Of course, I also notice, don't you love this? The ones who do it are always the ones who are using some kind of screen name. So you can't know who they actually are. Yeah, it's easy to be brave. It's easy to shout people down when people don't know who you are. Got to love that. Tell you what, real quickly, we're going to get Ron in here from Baghdad, Florida on line four. Ron, we got one minute. Do it. How about some good news from the lawmakers in Florida for a change? Do it. Uh, Tallahassee knows that they're probably going to see challenges to change town law after everything that happened down there. The Senate mm-hmm. has uh, appointed a very gun-loving um, Second Amendment individual, Senator Evers, from the Panhandle of Florida, uh, to oversee. He's on the Committee for Judicial uh, Oversight. So any hearings that come before the Florida House or the Florida Senate end up in the Florida Senate, it's going to be overseen by a friend of the gun owners. And the Senate president is also from Northwest Florida. Senator Gates made sure that that happened. So we will get a fair hearing in the state of Florida if any of these other people out of the basement, to steal your words, try to change the law to where it's not going to work to our benefit. Well, that is outstanding news, Ron. I appreciate you uh, sharing that with us. Thank you for that call. You know, you keep hearing people say, well, they're going to try to... uh, Reverse concealed carry. They're going to make it where you can't have your concealed carry. Let me ask you a question. You got, in every state out there, you got hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people who have their carry permits and they have grown accustomed to being able to protect themselves. They love that feeling of being safe, the reality of being safer. Do you really think that we are going to stand for them to do that? Would you? And that's the question on the floor. Have you gotten used to being able to carry? Does it make you feel safer? 866-TALK-GUNS. Tell me how it's changed your life. Welcome to Tom Gresham's Gun Talk. The best guns, the best guests, the best talk. Welcome back to Gun Talk, 866-825-5486. We'll get you in here, or you can shoot me an email, tom at guntalk.com. Let's see, this week we lost one in the uh, appeals court in New York about concealed carry. And the court there got it wrong, if you are judging things by the Heller and McDonald decisions by the Supreme Court. And when I talked to the folks involved with the case, they said, yeah, we expected to lose that one. And the the idea is to get this to the Supreme Court. There's another case working its way out of um, the circuit court in Chicago, the uh, Moore versus Madigan case. And we're expected to win that one, which would put these two circuits in conflict. And generally, that's when the Supreme Court likes to get involved because what you have then is two different upholdings of the law. So it's one thing is legal in one part of the country. It's illegal in another part of the country. And the Supreme Court needs to sort that out. 
it is a natural part of the process when you're moving these civil rights cases forward to lose at the lower level because you have to lose some of them at the lower level in order to appeal them and get them into the Supreme Court. So that's absolutely part of the plan. So every once in a while people say, oh, man, we lost. Yeah, I know, we did. But if you don't lose at that level, you can't get it to the Supreme Court. So it's one of those deals. Just kind of food for thought for you, something that uh, to remember when you hear about these cases. Line three, Roy's with us in Perryville, Ohio. Hello, Roy. Hey, Tom. Hey, thanks. I love your show. I have a quick answer for the gentleman that had a shotgun and didn't know where to store it. Okay. I don't want to give away my secret to the world, but I'm getting ready to. Every bedroom has a closet. You go into that clothes closet, and you turn around and look up, and you've got at least 12 inches of wall space and over that door. You get yourself a couple of just regular old hardware brackets like you'd store a bicycle on, and you Mm -hmm. put that shotgun up there. When you go into that closet and open the door, you don't see anything, and nobody leans in and looks up backwards. It's accessible, it's cool, it's right there where you need it, and the kids can't get it. Hmm, I like that. Now, obviously, if you've got, you know, at a certain age... Any kid can get there, and that's at that age they should be being taught. But yes, frankly, sir. I've become a believer, and I, I've changed my view on this, that you cannot leave a loaded gun in a house with kids of essentially any age. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, so Got when it. you're gone, you unload the gun. When you're back, the gun's loaded. If well, The way I put it is if you're not in direct control of the firearm, then it needs to be unloaded. Mm-hmm. You are in direct control of it. Absolutely. Keep it loaded. Now, that's an interesting idea. So what we're doing is yep. we're mounting the gun over the door inside the closet. Yes, sir. And unless you, you just tried yourself, you can't, if you have to put yourself in a very uncomfortable position even to look mm-hmm. there. And you sure. don't have to go in and turn around to grab it. You know it's there. You can grab it by just facing the closet, and you can get to it right now. I have never heard of that one. That is uh, really a great idea. Good point. Somebody just said, that, and most thieves wouldn't look there either. Love the idea. Absolute Thank you, Roy. That yeah, is a great, great idea. I mean, it's rare that we get one I haven't heard of before, but I, that one is right there. I love that one. Let's talk to John in Texarkana. He is online too. John, what's going on? Hey, Tom. Glad to talk to you. I want you to know every Saturday or every Sunday when I'm not at work, I'm in front of the radio listening to your show. Wonderful. Um, I have a question about open carry. In Texas, we're not allowed to open carry. Right. Um, what I would like to see in Texas would be an open carry option for CHL holders. But okay. there's a, there seems to be a lot of opposition to that on our side, and I really don't understand. I realize there's a time and a place for open carry. I mean, me, I live in a very rural area, so it's not that big of a deal being, you know, not living in a larger city. Mm-hmm. But even on now, our side, there seems to be a lot of opposition to that. And I would just like your take on maybe some states that already have open carry laws. Let me ask you, when you say there's opposition, are you hearing opposition to open carrier carry in general or to open carry being available only to those who have a carry permit? Uh, either way. I mean, even the ones that, even if you say, you know, I, I would like to see open carry for CHL holders, even 
people on our side are saying, no, it's a bad idea, we shouldn't do it, because it will hmm. restrict our rights. Well, I am of the opinion that anybody who is legal to own a gun should be able to carry a gun concealed or openly without a permit. So I I do not favor that requiring permits. I don't okay, even I, I don't I, I don't favor requiring training. Now, as anybody knows me knows, I push for training. I say everybody should get training, but I don't think that's the government's job to require you to have training to exercise a constitutional right. So, if you're asking me what I favor, I would say that anybody who is legal to own a gun should be able to carry exposed or concealed. Doesn't matter. No permit necessary. No fingerprinting. No background check. No training. No back. No uh, waiting period. None of that foolishness. And no revenue stream, which is really all it's all about. No revenue stream to the state. Okay. So if you're saying, you know, do I favor open carry? I I can do either where I live, and I go with concealed carry because I think there are some tactical advantages to that. But if you told me, okay, all you can do is open carry, not a problem. I've done it, and I'm okay with that, too. That's a personal well, choice. Well, well, the fear a lot of people have is if once we go to open carry that businesses will put up signs that would keep more people that carry out. Yeah, woulda, coulda, shoulda. You know, everybody worries about stuff, and then you look back and you say, okay, show me where that's happened. What happens is you will see some signs come up, and after a year or two, the signs come down, generally speaking. So I love when people try to pretend that their state is unique. Oh, this is going to happen here. And I go, I always ask them, okay, where did that happen before? Because it's not like you invented this. This is not the first time it's ever been done where open carry is allowed. Well, but it could. Yeah, I know. Please give me a break. Uh, well, you know, point well, me to a place where it's actually happened. That, that's my thinking about it. A lot, a lot of the talk is mostly anecdotal. Yeah, exactly right. And so, I mean, that's that's my point of the whole point. That's um, the, You know what you're talking about? You're talking about the Internet chatter, chatter, chatter. Not, you know, what do they say? More heat than light is generated on those things. Pick your experts carefully. Choose your sources carefully think this stuff through and ask people to support their arguments when they say this is going to happen ask really where has it happened before talk to me about that if they can't supply that i'm sorry their arguments on shaky ground 866 talk guns Shoot more and save money with Mac Shot Shell Reloaders. With over 2 million machines sold worldwide, Mac has taught more people how to reload shot shells than all other reloaders combined. Choose from seven different models, including the world's best selling 600 Junior Mark V. To see more, go to MechReloaders.com. That's MechReloaders.com. Or ask your local gun retailer about Mech Reloaders. 
successful hunters know big bucks move early and late, often when it's too dark for common scopes. When that monster steps out, you might see him through the scope, but the crosshairs disappear. All that work and you can't take the shot. But with the Trigicon AccuPoint scope, you'll get the shot. Its bright aiming point glows in daylight or darkness. No batteries needed. AccuPoint scopes are water-resistant and nitrogen-filled, feature multi-layer coated lenses for the brightest image, and you can adjust brightness of the aiming point to match the conditions. Adding 10 or 15 minutes to each end of the day can double the magic moments when the trophies move. You can't hit the target if you can't see the sights. Trigicon AccuPoint scopes. Check out the different models at Trigicon.com or call 1-800-338-0563. Brilliant aiming solutions from Trigicon. There's a rise in home invasions in America, and you need to be ready. Ready to protect yourself and your family. The Bedside Backup from Crossbreed Holsters keeps your gun at your bedside ready to go. It also folds flat for easy storage and travel. Take it with you and use with any hotel bed. To see more, go to CrossbreedHolsters.com. That's CrossbreedHolsters.com. The Bedside Backup is not a child safety device. The XDM-525 from Springfield Armory. A competition series gun from a name you trust. The XDM-525 features a long sight radius with a fiber optic front sight and adjustable rear sight for fast, accurate shooting. It's available at 9, 40, and 45 and shoots a wide range of loads with a lightened slide. For more, go to SpringfieldArmory.com. That's SpringfieldArmory.com. See what's possible in the pistol. See the Springfield Armory XDM-525. All right, back with the 866 Talk Guns. Line 1, Ed is in Boyd, Texas. Ed, you bought yourself a new gun? Yep. What'd you get? It's an FNH 5.7 by 28. What do you know about that? Uh, those are very nice guns. How, how long have you had it? A couple of weeks. I haven't shot it yet. Oh, you Hard haven't shot it yet? How can you have a new gun and not take it out and shoot it? That's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was, I'm 70 years old, and I had to go to the hospital, and uh, I got out of the hospital. I, I'm, oh, okay. I'm ready well, to now, go you, outside and shoot it now. If I, good deal. Now, did you tell me you do, do not have any ammo for it yet? Oh, I got uh, four or five boxes uh, back oh, there. Oh, okay. Good deal. Here's what you're going to find. It is, um, it's a high velocity round. It's a small caliber round, obviously. Uh, think of it as a supercharged 22 Magnum. And it's fairly loud. So are you going to be shooting it outside or inside? Outside. Okay. That's, that's a good thing. Definitely want uh, your earmuffs and you may even want to consider and I've gotten where I really like to do this. I get those little cheap foam plugs. I put those in my ears, and then I put shooting muffs on top. So I'm doubled oh. up getting plugs and muffs because yeah, it's a, because it's a hyper velocity round. That is, it's faster than the speed of sound, so it's a little bit louder, but not much recoil. I think you're going to like this pistol. Yeah, I, I like the feel of it. It's mm-hmm. uh, points well, and then uh, I'm hoping I can. Uh, Shoot it accurately, or it's accurately. 
spend a lot of money will. on it. <laughs> yeah, they're not inexpensive, and the ammo is not cheap. So, but I think you'll be able to shoot it well because, for one thing, the light recoil makes makes it easier for people to shoot it well. I tell you what, do me a favor, Ed. After you've gotten out to the range and had a chance to shoot it, give us a call back and give us a report. Okay. Okay. Will do. Listen, thank you, sir. I appreciate that, and uh, hope you get to feeling better. Uh, line three, Scott, Carson City, Nevada. Scott, talk to me, man. Hey, Tom. I, I, your screener said I can only ask one question, and it sounds like she may have, have relented. These are three three, three quick questions. <laughs> okay, um, go for it. I've got, I've got some old .30-06 um, brass that I've fired once. It's all military mm-hmm. brass. Um. Before I reload it, I'm going to use it for a different um, rifle. Do I need mm-hmm. to trim the cases? Well, you need to at least check the length of the cases to make sure that they are within the allowable limit. And there is a, in your reloading manual, there is a case length uh, number there. So you need uh, a vernier caliper or dial caliper or some kind of a cartridge length case guide. So you just need okay. to check it. You only need to trim it if it's too long. Uh, but okay. the other thing I was going to recommend is tell you, if you're using ammo that is shot in one rifle and you're going to shoot it in a different rifle, then you almost certainly are going to need to go with full-length sizing die to make sure that the loaded ammo will fit and will work in your new rifle, the, the rifle you're loading it for. Yes. Thank you. Okay. Um, second one is my I have an old Herder's reloading press. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking for for source for shell holders for that, not an adapter mm. to use RCBS, but actually somebody that makes a one that will actually fit that. Do you know it doesn't exist? Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, you know that there's an adapter, yeah, but you don't want the adapter. So I got I don't... it, but I'd I'd rather go direct. Okay, um, I I don't know where to send you to get, uh, you know, the, wait a minute, oh, that's an adapter, I'm looking it up right now, everything's an adapter, I'm not finding any originals right now, so I don't know where to send you on that, I can't help you. Okay, third question is, if you're using shotgun slugs, does a choke on the barrel cause you a problem? Generally not unless you have like a super tight choke. But uh, now we're talking about uh, Sabo slugs or the old Foster-style slugs. I was thinking the, I was going to say Branky type, but I assume. Okay, Branky, that's kind of a, uh, yeah, that's neither or, but it's that's more like the Foster. Uh, I think you're probably okay with pretty much any kind of choke. Uh, I don't think it's going to hurt the gun at all, so should should be okay there. And... I would, you know, if it were me, I would want to be using probably a modified or more open choke. If you've got choke tubes, of course, you know, put in a more open choke tube. In fact, I'd put a super wide because it's not going to have any effect on it either either way. But I think you're okay. Um, and, of course, if you're using Sabo loads, then you need a rifled barrel. And then that takes care of the issue altogether. And those Sabo's loads, by the way, are incredibly accurate. I mean, we're getting good groups of 150 yards maybe even 200 yards with the right gun, the right load, and everything else. Sabo shotgun loads are like new rifles. Incredible.
Uh, we had a caller a little while ago asking about uh, pouring hot wax down inside a shotgun shell load, mingling it, and basically coating all the buckshot to mold it into one solid load. Eh, no, don't do that. But what we did do uh, when we were trying to get as many loads as possible out of shot shell hulls, when you, after a while, the crimp won't close all the way. And if you're using smaller shot, they would actually kind of leak out through the hole where the crimp is. So we would put a drop or two of candle wax on the end of the shotgun shell where the crimp was to seal those in. So I doubt that that's what he was talking about, but I don't know. It just made me remember that old practice that we used to do, trying to get every possible load out of every single one of those holes when you're reloading, saving money every way you can. Uh, line four, Dan's with us out of Georgia. Hello, Dan. You're on Gun Talk. Dan, you there? Oh, Dan went away. Dan wanted to ask us about using 410 shotgun shells with birdshot out of a Derringer. Okay, let's talk about that. If it's a Derringer, we got to be talking about self-defense loads. When I talk, and it's a great question. I'm glad to be able to address this. When I talk about using birdshot in a self-defense load, I'm talking about a shotgun. Uh, 20 gauge is the minimum. 20 gauge or 12 gauge. Not out of a Derringer, not out of 410s. A 410 has very little shot in it. Uh, certainly, I mean, it would be, I mean, yes, you could hurt somebody, you could kill somebody with it. But as a defensive load, no. You don't even want to get me started talking about Derringers. Okay, I'll give you the 10-second version. I'm not a fan. Don't like them. I think we have better options out there. So don't bring me a Derringer, okay? Done. I'm done with Derringers. But there are other guns or revolvers that shoot 410 shotgun shells. I would, I would not want to use birdshot in a 410 revolver as a defensive load. And I know people say, oh, yeah, that'll mess somebody up. I would ask you again, I'm going to say this, go out and shoot it. We do this. We go out and shoot it. The range is measured in single-digit feet, not yards, that it would be somewhat effective for. Now, fortunately, if you have one of these 410 revolvers, uh, Taurus makes them, Smith & Wesson makes them, uh, others make them. There are some really interesting loads being created. Winchester has some pretty cool loads. They're, I think they call PDX loads with a disc in them and some shot and probably a couple of, you know, nuts in there and some bolts and some leftover uh, jacks from the uh, jumping jacks game. Uh, who knows? They're just like grape shot. They're throwing everything they can. In there. I'm making this up. You know that. Um, but there are some pretty decent loads out there for that. If it were me, honestly, and I have such revolvers. The birdshot would be used for snakes and critters like that. And maybe if you want to try shooting a bird with one, that'd be fine. But for self-defense, the beauty of it is you could load 45 Colt cartridges. Like people call it 45 long Colt. Yeah, it's 45 Colt. Regular old 45 Colt. Big diameter bullets. And you're going to get the penetration you need. And now you've got a 45 caliber revolver. And that's the versatility, at least to my way of thinking, that's the versatility of these revolvers, is they can do a lot of interesting things. But I'm really all about when it comes to for self-protection, personal protection, you've got to have penetration. The projectile that you're launching has to get to part of the attacker that's going to shut him down and make him quit trying to cut your head off. 
I mean, quite literally in some cases. So I want some penetration. I want like a 45 Colt. I know I'm going to get that with that. Uh, but if you're talking about a shotgun, we're talking about a 12-gauge or 20-gauge, I know it makes people crazy when I say it. But birdshot really is a viable alternative. It is limited, okay, but everything out there is a compromise. It's your job to analyze it and figure out which compromise works best for you. Get some training, do some practice, figure it out for yourself. Be safe out there.